It's good to see you here this morning, and for those of you that are here uh, visiting or you're here for the first time, uh, we're glad that you're here with us. Uh, I wanted to just mention something real quick, just um, uh, thanking the Lord for uh, Dave Kittle. Um, already involved in ministry and faithful in this way, and that's the, the very kind of thing. This is a good example of what we have been talking about regarding our last three or four or five messages on leadership. Leadership is really, it starts at home. Leadership starts at home. And, you know, for godly moms and dads to train their children in godliness and helping them to stand, helping them to stand and step forward for Jesus Christ. And in a very um, basic way, that's what it is about leadership, right? That we have people who stand up for Christ and minister. Maybe it's in very simple ways. And that's the idea, that you, you start learning to be faithful in the little things, okay? So no matter how old you are, young you are, whatever, just be faithful in the little things and keep asking God to use you for His glory, we had mentioned that um, it's important to acknowledge the marks of a leader. Number one, it's salvation. A person has to be saved to be leading in the church. And come right with that, salvation means having a submissive heart, a submissive nature. Submission is another mark there. Because it's about having a servant's heart. That you learn to have a servant's heart wherever you are. At whatever level you are at, you demonstrate a servant's heart before Jesus. He's the one that we're honoring. He's the one that we want to serve. He's the one that we meet for. Okay? So in basic ways, leadership would be, then we said last week, it's about leading in love. Leading in love. Having love be the thing that, uh, that drives and, and motivates us. At home, at church, at work, here in the community. That love is what's motivating you and I as believers in Christ. So, it boils down to start doing the right things. Do the right things, right? Um, invest, parents and grandparents, investing in your children, in the young people around you. Investing in them. It's being examples of godliness to them. That's... That's the kind of leadership I want to join in with. Okay? All too often, the business world kind of sneaks into church leadership. And uh, I'm not saying that's all bad. It's just that we got to be careful. What are we going by? God's Word or business principles that we learn from the secular world? Now, there are things that you and I can learn from the secular world about leadership. There's no question about that. But we want to glean from God's Word. And so today, we're at part three, Essentials for Church Leadership. You have an outline in your bulletin if you'd like it to follow along. And I've made this little subtitle, Bulking Up on the Faith. Okay? Bulking Up. I... I, I, I get this uh, influence from my partner in ministry here, uh, 
all the stuff that Pastor Brennan doesn't eat that I do. It's, I bulk up on the wrong things. <laughs> and here, you know, that's a big uh, image in my mind as we, as we talk about this topic. And you know what's really cool? That it, it goes so quickly and so readily over to things of faith. The more you bulk up on faith, the stronger you and I will be in our walk with the Lord, in whatever it is we face. And the reason many believers don't have a strong faith, don't stand up for Christ, so to speak, or don't stand out for the Lord, so to speak, is that their diet is weak or non-existent. Their diet's on the wrong stuff. Okay? I love lasagna. But I'm not going to have lasagna morning, noon, and night. Okay? You know. You get the idea. But not just the diet, but the workouts. The workouts could be weak or non-existent in your uh, walking in the faith. It's not like... Uh, I mean, a lot of us want to just say, well, I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm fine. Let me be. Isn't that the way of grace? Just let everyone be? Well, here's a time where we open up the Word of God, and I want to exhort you, encourage you about your faith and the fitness of your faith. And the more we talk about that, the more we'll see men and women rise up and say, I'm going to take a stand for the Lord. So are you fit in the faith? That is a critical issue about church leadership. Church leadership has got to go by faith. We've got to be walking in faith, making decisions in faith, trusting God, walking in faith. So I have these three questions in your, as you see them in your outline, that will help us um, evaluate things regarding your faith, my faith. Where are we really at? Let's pray together as we uh, just launch into this now. Dear Lord, we bow before you and we thank you that you are a, you're an almighty God and you're a God that's not sitting back, that hasn't walked away, that hasn't left things and uh, you are involved and you are an active God. Thank you for your work that you're doing and Lord, you want to see people grow in their faith. Please use this, Lord, and your word. Use your word for your glory here in our lives and and continue that work of developing Christ-likeness in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Question number one. Are you sold on divine certainties? Hebrews chapter 11, if you'll jot that down. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Are you sold on divine certainties? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. Verse 3, look at this. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. There you go with our summer Sunday school course. And it's not just about talking about evolution all the time in our Sunday school course. There'll be other 
uh, uh, breakdowns of this topic regarding unlocking the mysteries of Genesis. And I want to encourage you, if you're in town, you're not away camping or traveling or vacationing, join us for this time, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the fellowship hall. Okay? The assurance of things hoped for. Okay? It results in dependence upon God. Dependence upon God. It's the firm trust of things hoped for. How do you say, oh, that person has such a deep faith? How does that person have such deep faith and this person doesn't have such a deep faith? How? Were they born with that deep faith? No, they weren't born with it. Here's faith that's being, you know, uh, it's about dependence, dependence on God. Trusting Him. And specifically, when we talk about dependence upon God, really what we're saying, this is not anything uh, hugely profound. This is basic stuff. It's saying, I depend upon God, specifically regarding His person and His promises. That's it right there. That's the start of faith. I'm, I'm trusting Him. I'm depending on who He is. His person. And I'm depending on what he has told me in his word, his promises. It's who he is and what he's done, what he's said. And the Bible does not give a complicated scheme regarding faith. And yet we, we tend to make it complicated. I don't know how. It's supposed to be not um, shallow. It's supposed to be simple. It can be very deep. It's supposed to be simple though, right? Let's look at these examples. The centurion's faith. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Really quickly, he showed the reality and depth of faith. And he was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. Right? He acknowledged some basic things. He acknowledged Christ's ability and power to simply what? If you look at Matthew chapter 8, in verse 8. Just remember that. That's a good way to remember it. Matthew 8, verse 8. Okay? And what does he say? The centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. He had requested Jesus to come heal his servant. Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. That's basic faith right there. Why? Because he recognizes the authority of Jesus and the power of Jesus. Okay? We've got to distinguish some things here, folks. A lot of times we view God in just saying, well, you know, you can ask him anything. And it's like in our minds, what do we start thinking? We start thinking, well, God's our bellhop. Just kind of ring the bell and God will snap too. Well, I know that most of you understand that's not the case. That is absolutely not the case. But there are Christians that, you know, we understand. Christians can start thinking in those terms. Just ask God, you know. 
He'll do it. He'll give it to... Well, we, we need to understand this issue of Christ's authority. And then Jesus, how does Jesus respond in this, in this situation? Jesus says, I, look at verse 9. I'm sorry, verse 10. Jesus heard this. He marveled. He was, he was, in, he was like amazed. He said, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And the, the centurion didn't give him a rundown of all of his theology. He just put his trust in what Jesus could do and what Jesus could say. Isn't that beautiful? Just say the word. Just say the word. Lord, heal him. Okay? He exalted Jesus with his faith. What about Abraham? Let's turn to Romans 4. Real quickly, Romans 4 is the spotlight on faith, how Abraham was justified by faith in what happened here. Chapter 4, verse 18. Chapter 4 of Romans, verse 18. In hope against hope, Abraham believed so that he might become a father of many nations. A father of what? A father of faith, the father of faith, okay? According to which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and regarding the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, Abraham did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured, here it is, that what God had promised, he was able also to do. And keep going. Look at verse 22. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. That's so critical for you, my friend, that you understand this about how God credited this faith to, uh, credited righteousness to Abraham. Have you put faith in Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Then you have the, the righteousness of Christ on your account. So you know what that means now? That means that you don't have to, you know, prove yourself to God. You don't have to earn anything from God. Because Christ's righteousness completes the deal. And yet, here we are. Still saying, let's grow in our faith, right? Let's grow in our faith. So, it's interesting also that how did he grow? How did Abraham grow in faith? How? What does the next phrase say? He gave glory to God. Don't run over that. Don't, don't just gloss over that. That's a critical thing that we understand. How do you give glory to God? It's, it's in the little, it's, again, starts with the little things. You give glory to God by thanking Him. You thank Him for saving you, for giving you life, for helping you in your relationships. All the things of life, you start giving Him thanks. That's giving God glory. And when you have faith, that gives Him glory. That's the idea behind being justified. We're justified by what? Faith. We're justified by faith. 
But see, a lot of a lot of what you hear in life is like, oh, just have faith. Just have faith. Be be a person. Oh, he's a real she's a real person of faith. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know is is like, oh, well, I just need faith. And I float around on faith because I've got faith. What is faith about? It's to put faith in the person of Jesus. It's faith always has an object, right? And sometimes the faith that we have is not in Christ. It's in something, but not Christ. Make sure that you're thinking along these terms. You put faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? He's not dead. He's not in the tomb. He rose up gloriously. And so we put faith in the living one, Jesus. Okay? Abraham gave glory to God. And he knew that God had promised that God, he was fully assured what God had promised, that he was able to do it. That is exciting. Now you take that and translate it into your life and the things that are going on. So I tried that. God doesn't answer. You know, I I don't know what it is. No, keep walking and in doing the right thing. Walk by faith. So, and then quickly, the essence and action of faith, you can see in 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 Corinthians 5. um, 2 Corinthians 4 speaks of, here's what we see. Here are the things that we see. What are we we looking at in life? What's our visual about? What's our perception about? And Paul is saying, let's look at the things that are not seen. Let's look at things that are eternal. And the only way you learn of what you're looking at in regards to what is eternal is when you are reading the Word. You're growing in the things of the Word. And you can understand that these are the things unseen that God wants me to keep my eye on. That God wants me to look at. The things that we see are temporal. That's what we see with our own eyes. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And the main thing there is let's let's keep looking for the glory of God. And how do you how do you know where the glory of God is? Well, start sharing the gospel. Know what the gospel is and share the gospel and start seeing God work through his gospel. The eyes of faith. Okay. Point number two. Question number two. Are you being strengthened by biblical convictions? Now, this is a bit different now because now we're not just um, talking about certainties. Now we're talking about convictions. <clears throat> what's, what's the idea of convictions? Well, <clears throat> it's the development of beliefs. The development of beliefs. <clears throat> the idea of construction. You're construction, uh, constructing something. It's the framework that you build on. The framework of beliefs. <clears throat> it's more than just... Well, I believe in God. It's now the idea of personal convictions. <clears throat> and the idea here is that one's, it's where one's dependence, that's the first point, where one's dependence grows deeper. You're more convinced about something. Convictions. Daniel is our example. You've got the reference there, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel showed his life was built on godly personal convictions he resolved for purity in his life young people take take daniel 
as an ongoing example for your life. Line it up in that way. Okay? See what he did in response to God's work in his life. Mark always knows when I need water. Thank you. So Daniel aimed, said, I'm, I'm resolved in this. I'm going to say no to that and no to that because I know that's not going to be good for me. Okay? And was that going to determine his salvation? No. It was a matter of his personal convictions. And he knew that God's blessing was around the corner in this. He also demonstrated a confidence in God's care and control. And you see that through the first number of chapters in Daniel. What are convictions? Again, a fixed or strong belief, a confidence. It's a resolve to live differently. We, we've been talking about um, the name of Christ in our Sunday school class. And um, it's like you, if a young person comes to faith in Christ, one of the first things they realize is, well, yeah, using the name of Jesus in vain or the name of God in vain is wrong. Uh, that's, a, that's like a part of coming to faith in Christ. You just understand that. You just stop doing that. That's wrong. But then there might be some other things that you start looking at in your walk of faith and you start realizing you know I, I read this in the Bible and it talked about my speech in in other areas and boy that brought conviction to me so now I want to change and stop saying those kind of things and start saying this and start talking in a different way convictions how you treat other people here's personal convictions young men young men personal convictions about how you should treat young ladies okay girls are kind of smirking down here no but serious this is something that's it's it's being thrown out why bother hey just let's have you know whatever no young men ought to treat young ladies in a godly way there's just way too much of the opposite happening. Okay? Convictions. Personal convictions. Now, listen. Um, these are, this is very, very important. It's critical to have convictions if they're drawn from the Word of God. Let, let's ad- admit it. There's people in our community that have personal convictions. But they aren't drawn from the Word of God. And so we, we must understand our personal convictions ought to come out from the Word of God. Okay? People can have convictions but be lost and caught up in false religions or other systems of whatever. But it's critical that you and I be growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Biblical convictions is a commitment to God's Word as our authority. Okay? And it gets back to Daniel's example. Where was Daniel? Was he in his backyard? Was he hanging out with his buddies? Well, he had some buddies to hang out with, but he wasn't in his backyard. He was in a foreign country. Foreign culture. They got a name change. All that. Pressure on them. Pressure. Conform. You know, compromise. 
Would have been real, real easy for him to have compromised. Hey, mom and dad aren't around watching. I'm here with the king's palace. Maybe no, maybe no one will see. It's okay, isn't it? Compromise. It's real tempting. And yet, he didn't. He didn't compromise in it. He stayed true. He refused to compromise his faith and his convictions despite the name changes, despite the foreign location, despite the diet change and all that. So what's the best way? If you're growing in understanding of convictions, what's the best way to to develop and maintain godly convictions? Hmm. Think about that. How do you develop and maintain godly convictions? Well... It's not complicated. Go back to, here's my Bible reading. Here's my Bible uh, memorizing. Here's my Bible meditation. Time with Jesus. Here's prayer. Here's communion. Those are basics. Are you doing that? When you do that, you will grow in your faith. But come back to, I'm pretty comfortable in my American life. Kind of easy going. Don't, don't make a big wave. Don't make a big deal about it. I, don't, I didn't read anything about Jesus saying, don't, don't make a big deal about it. He said, you ought to be like light, shine in a dark place, so that people will see it and they'll give glory to God. Okay? So the best way to develop, maintain godly convictions, read, meditate, memorize God's Word, the best way to live out our convictions is with wisdom and tact. Don't just kind of, you know, barge into the group of people at work or whatever and say, okay, here's how the, the cow ate the cabbage. How are we going to do things here? No, you don't do that. You, you say, God, give me wisdom and tact in regards to how I live this out in my life. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Colossians chapter 4. Okay. Number three. Next question. So here, here's the build-up. Are you sold on divine certainties? Are you being strengthened in biblical convictions? Point number three, or question number three. What happened next in the storyline of Daniel? So here's the question. Will you stand with courage? Say, oh, you lost me there. I'm uh, no, I'm not going there. Look, I'm not su- suggesting that that you'll stand, you know, in standing for courage, that you're going to end up in a fiery pit, or you're going to end up with the lion den, in the lion den. Now, God knows the strength that you have and and what you can handle. He knows that. But it's a matter of saying, I will. I will stand with courage because here's the build-up of it. What is bu- what's building it up? It's certainties of God and His promises and it's convictions of my life that, that I understand. Here's, here's what I understand from the Word of God. And what is that courage? Are, are you standing with courage? If so, here's the, it's the durability for life challenges. That's what it's getting at. We want to be ready for life's challenges. You don't know what's coming around the corner. I don't know what's coming around the corner this week, next week, next month, next year. We don't know. 
this is what helps us get prepared. Is that we're saying, you know what? I want to, I want to, I want to recognize what's at stake in this world. And Jesus already told us. John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you. That what? So that in me you may have peace. Why? Because in the world, you'll have tribulation. It's not going to go for you. It, it, it won't be easy. So, take courage, he says. There he is, saying, take courage. I have overcome the world. I want this to build up in our hearts and minds to say, yes, I want to grow in faith. And I want to stand with courage. I want to know God in and through the storm of life. Most American Christians, I don't know. I, I'm not, it just seems to me we're not very ready for a major storm in life because we're so used to our comforts. We're so used to things going our way. And I know there's people right in here in this room who have not had things go their way. And they, they're, they're hurting in their hearts over broken relationships, broken whatever. And they know of the hurt and the pain. So no, things have not gone well for every one of us. But generally speaking, we're pretty... Uh, what's the word? <laughs> we got it pretty easy. You know what? If you mark it down, uh, it might be in your notes there. I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Proverbs 24, verse 10. You know what that says? If you are slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. And my friend, there will be a number of days of distress in your life. Will you be ready? Are you going to be ready to trust in the Lord, to have faith? To have those convictions that will help you to stand strong and be stable in it all. The idea is that, again, it comes back to the basic thing of intake of the Word of God, regular times of prayer and communion with the Lord, and being alert for what comes next. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When it came time, the horn sounded. Did they bow down, class? I mean, you know that. You know. Did that all of a sudden just dawn on them? Huh. No. Here was the, the business of somehow, way. here had been development of these beliefs and convictions. And they stood firm. And they stood. And they were thrown in the fiery pit. We call it Courage. If they were standing right here with us and we were interviewing them, what would they say? Would they say, oh yeah, we had courage. What would they say? they say, well, you're just doing the right thing. We believe in God. We don't believe in false idols. We believe in God. We're going to stand. We're not going to bow down and worship. We'll only do that with the one true God. They did the right thing. You and I can decide and choose. When you walk out of these doors, you can decide and you can choose. What? Keep walking in faith today. 
Keep trusting God today. You start the day tomorrow. If, if we have tomorrow, you wake up. How do you start your day tomorrow? Do you get out of bed to say, it's all about me? No. You get out of bed and you say, yes, thank you, Lord, for another day to honor you, to serve you, to walk with you. You remember what Joshua said. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's your wake-up call, friend. Look, Christians are called a peculiar, King James Version, a peculiar people. Yeah, and some of you... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You don't know half the story. (laughs) We're called a peculiar people. It's a people of God's own possession. That's what's making us peculiar. We're a people of God's own possession. And we stand out because of faith in Jesus Christ. We're putting faith in Him. That means attributing Him. Attributing Him for things. That's what faith is about. It puts faith in somebody else, not yourself. Faith in Jesus Christ. So, here's the thing. And here's a problem that we deal with. Watch out for complacency. Complacency is another key word in our study here this morning. What is complacency? It's it's just a sit-back and self-satisfied attitude. I'm fat and happy. Let me be. You know, I can sit back and and just say, Yeah, we boy, we got a lot of problems in this world. And the news, it's really bad. And complacency can know things, but still sit back and do nothing. It causes people all sorts of problems. Be on the lookout for complacency. It's been said that complacency is like water, right? Water follows the easiest course. Where? All downhill. You get that? Is there complacency that builds up in your life? Watch out for it. Choose you this day whom you will serve. So if these three questions, you can say, yeah, I am. I want to be, uh, I am sold. I am sold on divine certainties. From Here's God's word. Basically, it boils down to this. God said it. I and that settles it. That's the idea behind being sold on divine certainties. Then the idea of being strengthened in biblical convictions, spending time in the word, spending time in prayer. And then will I stand with courage or will, let's say it this way. Will I just do the right thing at the right moment? Will I do that? See, there's, there's this whole idea of dependence on God, development of beliefs, durability for the life challenges that we face. And then number four, shine forth then, Christian. Shine forth then, Christian, with Christ-like character. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I have memorized my Bible. Doesn't say that, does it? Why? 
for thou art with me. God's a real God. He's an alive God. And he cares for his children. And more importantly, he cares for his glory. His fame. So let's lift him up. Let's be Christ-like in our character. As in regards to leadership, these three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know what they did by standing up and doing the right thing? They made a huge impact by simply trusting that God would be with them and that God was in control. They couldn't say what was going to come up. And while they're going into the fiery pit, what do you think they're figuring? Well, let's pray, guys. Let's, here we go. Let's, let's trust God. We don't know what's going to happen, but here we go. And so when you're facing things in your life, will you bring this to mind and remember... God wants you to trust Him and remember that He's in control. If He's not, if He's not in control, He's not God. Let's just pack it up and go home then. He's in control. He's a sovereign King, a sovereign God. Trust your life to Him. I want to finish with this, these thoughts here on, on what character develops. We want character developed in our young people, right? We want to see our young people, you know, shine with good godly character. You know what this is really getting at? It's the precious commodity of one's integrity. What is a person really like when no one's looking? It's about character. It's about integrity, right? I want you to mark this down in your notes if you're taking notes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. Okay? Paul shares of his integrity with his listeners there, his readers. He shares of his integrity. And then... Character... As Dr. Al Mohler says at, at the quote there in the bottom of your notes, character is indispensable to credibility, which is essential for leadership. Folks, if you have not yet uh, added this to your library, I would encourage you to do so. This is a great book on leadership. It's by Al Mohler, The Conviction to Lead. The Conviction to Lead. 25 Principles for Leadership That Matters. I encourage you to check that out. I don't have to say a whole lot about the political scene regarding integrity and credibility. Right away, stories pop up, examples pop up of a lack of integrity, a lack of credibility. And when we start with trusting in Jesus Christ, we put faith in Him, and then God starts doing this work of sanctifying you and helping you to see that nothing else really matters compared to what? Knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing Him in the power of His resurrection and then the fellowship of His sufferings. To know Him. That's your goal. And thus, 
leadership principles can start popping up all over the place in our congregation. That's what we would love to see. So do you think that God is looking for people who will follow Him like this? Oh, I'm not going to ever be like a Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, no, no. You know what? That's a, that's a bad choice to think. You need to say, you know, wait a minute. At the right moment, they did what? The right thing. They did the right thing. Do you know the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Let's start doing the right thing in this way and seeing faith grow. To be saying, you know, we're not boasting in how big or whatever our faith is. We're boasting in a strong and mighty Savior. That's what we want to do. Because why? Jesus is worth it all. Jesus is worth it all. Far greater than all the the lures and all the pleasures of life that we have. Let's lift Him up. Let's praise Him. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says this. Paul writes to Timothy to say, Be an example to all believers in, listen, in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Be an example. Because Jesus is doing His work for His glory that you would look more like Him in your life. Lord, we praise You and thank You for this time. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for these wonderful um, sightings of people of faith in Hebrews 11, in the book of Daniel, in David's life, in Moses' life, in the centurion's life. Lord, thank You for these examples. And Lord, help us to, to step forward and to stand trusting You, looking to You, and seeing a great and awesome God. We praise You, Lord. Please do Your good work here in this body of believers here at Parkside. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting, for those that struggle. I pray that You would help them to lift their eyes and look and see an almighty God, one that they can trust and cast their cares upon. Lord, thank You for this time that we've had. Now, as we go, dear Lord, please help us in trusting a faithful God that You will establish and that You will guard us from the evil one. We praise You in Christ's name. Amen.